And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man, Pungy? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry man. Sam Spade Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present the conclusion to My Friend Irma, starring Marie Wilson from 1948. Then, Robert Cummings stars in a terrific mystery on Four Star Playhouse from 1949. With me, as always, is my co-host, Lisa Wolf, my sidekick, my second banana, my best friend in the whole wide world, Lisa. I'm here, as always. So you're my best female friend. And Mike Costello is my best male friend. And we nice all get to, to be work, surrounded by we get to friends. work together. And Mike and I kind of sort of like each other, yeah. too. So it's a happy family. It's really we, a know, kind of, up a with each other nice of triangle time. of happiness. <laughs> all right, so what's happening in the world of Hollywood? Um, so there's going to be a Splash remake for Disney. Do you remember the 1984 Yeah, Tom film? Hanks. Tom Hanks. And, and uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Um, Who was the mermaid? I know her. I, I I know her. I can see her. You love her, Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah. You are right. So, do you remember the story? Sort of how? Oh it yeah. Went? He's at the beach he, in right? I think New York City or somewhere, and sees her and brings her home. And when she gets wet, her her legs turn into a uh, fish, right, or something? Well, he falls in love with her, not yeah. knowing that she She's had saved his life when he was a boy. Oh, right. So that's sort of how the film started. Got it. Um, so anyhow, there's going to be a very interesting twist right. on the remake. Okay. Are you ready? All right. Guess. You get one guess. Right. Who will star as the mermaid? Who's going to be? Uh, Who will be Scarlett the mermaid? Scarlett Johansson. That would be a good guess if indeed this were a normal film. But this has a unique twist. You know who will be the mermaid? No. Channing Tatum. Oh, oh interesting. interesting. So it's That's a girl that discovers right. a male Jillian mermaid. Bell will be the character played by Tom Hanks. Okay. So social media is a flutter with the yeah. possibility of seeing Channing Tatum bare chested. Right. Oh, so, I'm, I'm a Twitter. So you're a Twitter. Yeah, you're a flutter a, and a Twitter. I'm a flutter and a Twitter over it. I can't even... Um, yeah, like, and, I can't wait for this to for happen. For Channing Tatum to be sporting a fishtail. Yeah. Now that's exciting, right? Jeez, yeah, I won't be um, able to sleep tonight. <laughs> well, you can't anyways. Um, we don't know <laughs> no, yet. No, but I have a my pillow now, so I can actually. I heard about Lisa that. Lisa and Mike bought me each a my pillow for my birthday, so thank you very you much. You have generous You're friends. Yeah, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know yet who is going to play. Um, Alan, um, his brother Freddie, uh-huh. who was originally played by the late great comedian John uh, Candy. John Candy, right. Right. And yeah. there was another character, Dr. Walter Cornbluff. I don't remember him. He was played by Eugene Levy. Yep, Eugene Levy. And we don't know who was yeah. going to be in that part either, but. Maybe you. You know, you never know with the unique twist. You just right, never know. Right. Then you get know. to be around Channing Tatum all, all the time. That, He'd like that. Yeah, he would. I don't know. I mean, if it'd, I it'd be could, like what you do now, being around Be like me. hanging out with you. Same yeah. Thing. Same so exact. I should audition. Right. Get 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 me the audition. All right. Sounds good. All right. You know when this movie's coming out or not? I don't know it, yet. Uh, okay. Nope. Well, 
but I Thanks, will Lisa. keep you apprised. All right, it's time now for the conclusion to My Friend Irma. We started this last time. Let's go back to March 22nd, 1948 for the Election Connection starring Marie Wilson. Hi, honey. Where have you been? Oh, places. Places? What are you doing with that Jim Blake pin? Irma, you're not electioneering for that crook. Well, Al says he's not so bad, and, and if he's elected, Al will get a job, and Al promised to marry me. Sweetie, if I bought a box of rice every time Al promised to marry you, the Chinese wouldn't have anything left to eat. <laughs> oh, Jane, I, I love Al, and I, I want to get married. I want children, a home, and, and a place to put all those statues I want at Coney Island. <laughs> I know you do, honey. But, but won't it bother your conscience to wake up every morning and say, Irma Peterson, you're a bad citizen? I suppose so, but it'll bother me more to wake up every night and say, Irma Peterson, you're an old maid. <laughs> well, honey, it's your life, and since I know Honest Jim doesn't have a chance, you can do what you want. Oh, thanks, Jane. I, I want to practice what I'm going to say to the girls at the office tomorrow. <laughs> Irma in front of a mirror, and it's a sight that would make Patrick Henry turn over in his grave. She's evidently practicing the gestures that she's going to make in her speech, but such gestures I have never seen. Now she's shaking her fist. Now she's waving her arms in defiance. She's evidently scored her points. She's also knocked the clock off the mantel. Now she's shaking her finger and she's pointing to her head. This can only mean that Blake is solid. <laughs> now she's taken the Manhattan telephone directory and she's holding it over her head with all her strength. Irma. Honey, what's the idea of that? Well, I want to show him that Blake will carry New York. Oh, you're... <laughs> Come in. Hello, Jane. Richard. Well, what's the matter? Your face is white as a sheet. Jane, I'm afraid that all of our work has been in vain. Look at this headline. What's it about, Richard? I'm too nervous to read it. Well, honest Jim Blake and his machine have dug up a scandal about Colby that'll cost us every woman's vote. What was it? Well, they claim that 18 years ago he struck his wife. And on Mother's Day. <laughs> oh, no, it can't be true. No, it isn't. It was just an unfortunate accident. He just happened to trip with a hammer in his hand. <laughs> Yes, but Blake has distorted the story. Oh, Richard, what can we do? Well, I understand that Blake is addressing the heads of all the women's clubs at Sloan's Hall tonight. Now, we have to go there with Colby so he can prove his innocence. Yeah, all right, Richard, but I'd, I'd like to inform you that we have a Benedict Arnold in our midst. Oh, he won't help you, Jane. We've got important people, too. Jane, <laughs> Jane you mean that Irma is campaigning for that thief, Blake? Yes, I, I am. Well, I'm surprised at you. Come on, Jane. Goodbye, Irma. Goodbye, Irma. <laughs> Vote for Jim Blake. Vote for Jim Blake. Square as sky, you know. Come in. Hey. What's the matter, Chicken? Richard and Jane are mad at me because... I'm trying to help Jim Blake. Gosh, are you sure he's honest? I already told you, chicken. 
Are you sure you'll marry me if I help him win? Am I sure? Chick and I already told three of the boys to stay out of trouble because I might need them for ushers. <laughs> All right, Al. And Chicken, tonight's the night you can really help the campaign. You see, Honest Jim is going to address the women's club at Sloan's Hall tonight. Well, that's where Jen and Richard are going. Oh, we'll make monkeys out of them. Now, the chief wants you to come up out of the audience like you wasn't rehearsed and testify that Honest Jim is the ladies' friend. we got to swing the women's vote. But, Al, why did they pick on me? Chicken, there's more chance of you saying the right thing. You don't know him. I mean, uh, <laughs> they, 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 they don't want anybody too professional looking. They want somebody with charm and, and personality and what the French call c'est la guerre. <laughs> All right, Al. I, I'll do it if only for our children's sake. Yeah, every time I see children, I get goose pimples. <laughs> Of course, you wouldn't understand. You'll never know what it is to be a mother. <laughs> well, Chicken, now you got the right spirit, and it'll teach Jane not to underestimate us. That's right. She wouldn't let me on her bandwagon. Well, before I'm through, even my friends will want to take me for a ride. Well, Chicken, this is Sloan's Hall. Now, when we get inside, it's up to you to help swing the women's vote for Honest Jim. But, Al, when they call me up from the audience, what shall I say? Well, just say that uh, you don't know Honest Jim personally, but people say he will undertake everything that good government stands for. Undertake everything uh, good government stands for? Well, that's easy. I'll remember that, Al. Well, Chicken. <laughs> and remember, my job, our whole future together depends on this. Let's go inside. Hey, Chicken, look. Richard's about to speak. Richard and Jane are, are for Colby, and we're for Blake. I feel like that Japanese spy, Harry Carey. Shh. Richard's going to speak. Ladies of the Metropolitan District, as you know, Honest Jim Blake has cooked up a smear campaign to besmirch the good name of our candidate, Robert Colby. And I think it is only fair that you hear the true story from his own lips. And here he is, the Honorable Robert Colby. Ladies! <laughs> Ladies, oh, please! Oh, Richard, they won't even let him speak. Yes, that's Jim Blake's doing. He's got oh. his co-workers out there to influence the other women. Oh, Richard, you mean we have no chance? No, nothing could win the election now, nothing. Oh, look at that pompous crook, honest Jim Blake. <laughs> well, he's getting up on the platform. Look how cocky he is, Richard. You all know me, honest Jim Blake. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, lovely ladies, mothers, sisters, aunts, nieces. In fact, all of this lovely feminine pulchritude. It has been contended by my opposition that I am a thief. They will tell you I stole $1,842,000 from the taxpayers. I tell you, ladies, and I give you my solemn word. Those figures are incorrect. <laughs> my opponents also contend that I secured my office through acts of violence. This is not true. And my former opponent would personally deny that if he were alive today. <laughs> but why should I ask you to take my word... Surely, somewhere in the audience is someone who does not know me, yet knows the good that I've done. Get ready, Chicken, that's you. Step forward, anyone at all. Ah, here's a charming young lady. 
Who are you, young lady? I'm anybody at all. Uh, fine, fine. You don't know me, young lady, do you? No, I just know the fellow that works for you. <laughs> Mere coincidence. Now, uh, will you tell these wonderful ladies what you think of me? Uh, well, now let me remember. Oh, I know. Uh, ladies, I don't know Honest Jim personally, but I know he will take everything the government will stand for. <laughs> I'm just a little nervous. Yes, and I can't understand it. I was rehearsed so well. Come on, chicken, run. But, but Al, what about your $5,000? You'll need that for flowers. Well, I'm still trying to gather my senses. All I remember of the women's meeting was that it ended with Honest Jim chasing Irma and Al down the aisle with a fire axe. This evidently convinced the women voters that Honest Jim wasn't exactly the fatherly type. For they have elected Robert Colby to consul almost unanimously. Now Irma thinks that she's America's foremost election authority. Fact, last night I said, Irma, I see where they're talking about making MacArthur president. And Irma said... Oh, I don't think so. Edgar Bergen would never let him go. <laughs> you know, if Bergen ever needs another dummy, he can borrow my friend Irma. The other night, I noticed Irma doing something very strange, even for her. And I said, honey, why are you putting those watercolors on top of the swan soap? And Irma said... Well, Jane, I thought maybe the swan might want to color some of her eggs for Easter. <laughs> My Friend Irma, presented by Swan, another fine product of Lieber Brothers Company, was produced and directed by Cy Howard. Tonight's script was written by Cy Howard and Park Levy. Folks, next Monday evening, listen again to... Our Friend Swan. With My Friend Irma. Starring Mary Wilson as Irma and Kathy Lewis as Jane. The part of Professor Kropotkin was played by Hans Conried. Tune in next week one hour earlier and listen to the Lux Radio Theater, immediately followed by My Friend Irma. This is CBS, where 99 million people gather every week. The Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's My Friend Irma from March 22, 1948. With the election connection starring Marie Wilson and Kathy Lewis also in the cast, Hans Connery, John Brown, and Leif Erickson with Frank Bingman announcing for Swan and Spry as heard on CBS. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's take a break. When we come back, Robert Cummings stars in Four Star Playhouse right here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360. Uh, we're here every single week, four hours on the radio, but not all of our stations, because we're syndicated across the country, not all of our stations carries the full four hours. So if you want to hear a podcast of this show, just go to Hollywood360radio.com. That way you never miss any of our programming here on Hollywood 360. Plus, we add a bonus hour at our podcast. Go to Hollywood360radio.com. We also give you 10 free shows via digital download at that site. So check it out and also check out all the pictures of Lisa Wolf. There's lots of them there. I don't think so. There's tons and tons and tons. There aren't. All right, it's time now for Four Star Playhouse. 
four-star playhouse aired on NBC Radio for a few short months in 1949. This anthology drama starred four rotating stars in the weekly broadcasts, Rosalind Russell, Fred McMurray, Loretta Young, and Robert Cummings, hence the name Four Star Playhouse. The series was adapted to television from 1952 to 1956, sponsored originally by the Singer Company and later Bristol-Myers. The original premise was that Charles Boyer, Ida Lupino, David Niven, and Dick Powell would take turns starring in episodes. However, several other performers took the lead from time to time, including Ronald Coleman and Joan Fontaine. Blake Edwards was among the writers and directors who contributed to the series. I think you're going to like this now. Let's go back to a broadcast date of August 14, 1949 for The Hunted. This stars Robert Cummings along with Lorene Tuttle and William Conrad. Here's part one of Four Star Playhouse. Here is another in NBC's outstanding parade of new shows, dramatically transcribed. Four Star Playhouse, a repertory company of four great Hollywood stars. This is Robert Cummings. This is Rosalind Russell. This is Fred McMurray. This is Loretta Young. Yes, these are the stars heard weekly on Four Star Playhouse. Ladies and gentlemen, one of our four-star players and star of tonight's play, Robert Cummings. Thank you. And in behalf of Rosalind Russell, Fred McMurray, and Loretta Young, let me welcome you back to our four-star playhouse. As you know, every Sunday night at this time, Roz, Fred, Loretta, and I appear in new dramatizations of stories selected from Cosmopolitan magazine. Stories by the world's leading writers of popular fiction. How often have you all had the strange, haunting experience which made you say, it seems that all this has happened to me before? Psychologists call that phenomenon prevision. Tonight's story explores an experience in prevision. We think it will hold you spellbound right up to its stunning and fearful finish. Prepare now for gripping action as we bring you Maurice Baudin Jr.'s strange and powerful story, The Hunted, in which I am Fred Woodard. The Hunted. I was tired Looking for a job in a strange city wasn't doing me any good I was hot I felt weak My eyes throbbed, my head swam I had to sit down To escape from the heat, I went into the small air-cooled theater Feature picture goes on in ten minutes, mister Oh, thanks, Usher Hot out, ain't it? That's terrible You look beat why don't you sit down and wait till the newsreel's over? Oh, thanks. I will. I sat down to rest. I wasn't the only one. Across the lobby was a man, sound asleep. A man with a paunch. A man with a white scarf around his neck. And then she came in. The girl came in through the front door looking hunted and furtive. She saw the man with the paunch and started... Paunch opened his eyes and got up and walked toward her. In a panic, the girl dashed into the powder room. Paunch sat down again and closed his eyes. I didn't like it. Not a bit. Oh, Usher. Yeah? Uh, that guy over there with the paunch and the white scarf. Uh, yeah? The girl came in and he tried to make a pass. Oh, forget it. Happens every day in theaters. Me, I keep my nose clean. I keep out of it. Oh, I don't like it. Routine. Don't let it bother you. 
I glared across at the sleeping fat man. And then my head began to nod. And then there she was again, the girl. She was coming in through the front doors again, with a hunted, fearful look on her delicate face. Impulsively, I got up. News will be over in five more minutes. Oh, excuse me. Please, I'm in a hurry. Yes, I know. And, and that man sleeping over that fellow with the white scarf is bothering you. Who are you? You wouldn't know me. I'm a stranger in town. He isn't asleep. He's pretending. Let me speak to him. No. Is he bothering you? He's following me. He's everywhere. I, I tried to hide in here. here give but... me these parcels. We'll walk out here together. He won't follow us. He will. Come on. Don't look back. He's getting up. How do you know? I see him in the mirrors. He's following. Well, let him. Pastor. He looks fat, but he's quick. Well, then we'll ride. Let's see. Oh, uh, taxi! Taxi! <laughs> My name's Fred Woodard. I'm Ruth. <laughs> Are you listed that way in the telephone book? Just Ruth, if you don't mind. Okay, Ruth. Oh, uh, driver, this is all right. Uh, we'll get out here. Here, take my hand. Thanks. Okay, driver, how much do Fred. I... Fred. Hmm? It's him. I look back. The punch was getting out of a taxi and paying his fare without even glancing at us. And then he stood at the curb and lighting a cigarette, ignoring us, but knowing we were there. Knowing we would always be there. Right. Here, driver, keep the change. Come on, Ruth. He can ride as fast as we can, but he can't walk as fast. Oh, can't he? Let me go back and smack him so he stays smacked. No, that wouldn't do any good. Hmm, still behind us. No matter how fast we walk, he keeps the same distance. I'm going back and talk to White Scarf. Don't. Well, why? You said you wouldn't ask. All right, but... Hurry! I'm hurrying. Run! <sighs> Quiet. I'm sorry. I can't go any further. No, not at this pace. Oh... Let me sit down on this bench. Oh. Oh, it's all pretty strange. I'm sorry. Maybe you'll tell me about it someday. Maybe. Hey. What? Hey, surprise. What? We've lost White Scarf. Yes. Well, now what should we do? How about lunch? When did you eat? Ages ago. Well, let's eat. I feel good again. That's the first portion of The Hunted, starring Robert Cummings on Four Star Playhouse. Let's take a break. When we return, it's the conclusion. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now let's get back to The Hunted, starring Robert Cummings on Four Star Playhouse. <laughs> I don't remember ordering this iced coffee, did I? You did, and very plainly. <laughs> That's funny. 
Obviously, you're too much for my presence of mind. I hope you won't regret our meeting. Oh, it's highly unlikely. Say, do you realize how rudely other men in this restaurant are staring at you and wishing they were me? Now, just glance about you modestly and... No. Don't. Is it? White scarf. Five tables behind you. No, no, don't turn around. Now, just smile and look animated and I'll do the same. Now, here's what we're going to do. I'll tell you when to look up at the clock and exclaim about the time. Yes. And I'll, uh, I'll stand up and say goodbye. All smiles, just like this, see? And, and we'll part like old friends, going to see each other again. Make up something as you leave. All right. What about you? I'll stay right here. He'll follow me? And I'll follow him. I don't think he'll like that. He'll know you're following him. I want him to know. Now, look up at the clock. Yes. Oh, dear, look at that time. I really must go now, Mr. Woodard. He's getting up to go, too. Of course. Well, I'll meet you afterward. Um, Wheelock's department store, the information desk. What time? I'll be there in exactly an hour if I'm not followed. Meet you there in one hour. Okay. Give me a big goodbye now. Oh, it's been awfully nice, Mr. Woodard. Maybe we can do this again soon. Oh, yes, Friday. Good. Well, it's a date. Goodbye. See you Friday. Right. And here comes White Scott, right on schedule. Uh, got a match, friend? Did you speak to me? Uh, match? No. Going someplace? Yes. Uh, why are you following that girl? What girl? You know what girl. Point her out to me. Why, she... <laughs> well, she's gone, isn't she? You think I've lost her, huh? Who? The girl. What girl? Hmm. Who knows? Well, we must uh, do this again sometime. Not too often. Well, that's up to you, isn't it? Good afternoon, fool. He walked out, obviously no longer following Ruth. Her trail was lost. I was pleased with myself, so pleased that I could hardly wait for the hour to pass to tell Ruth that I'd shaken White Scarf. I went to Wheelock's department store. I waited for her at the information desk. Oh, oh there you are, Fred. Here's some packages for you. Are you getting bored or tired? Bored? No. Didn't you see the excitement? Excitement? No. Well, it seems someone lifted a dagger at the antique jewelry counter, and they just found out a few minutes ago. <laughs> more confusion. Oh. Well, I'll be back again soon with more packages. Do you mind? Don't go away or get lost, will you? Don't worry. Okay, sucker, come along. Who? Come on. White scarf. Let's go. Well, you found us again. If one knows where to look, one finds. What do you mean by shadowing us this way? We ask the questions. Now, come along. Where? Upstairs. Who are you? Guess. The police. Come on. Your lady friend's waiting for you. Lady friend? Come on. I remembered vaguely reading something like this in the past. But what was it? I, I'd forgotten. White Scarf took me upstairs to a bare room with a single desk. I saw Ruth staring at the floor. She didn't look up. There was a pile of parcels on the desk. Behind the desk stood a tall, blonde man, about 35. He started speaking the moment White Scarf pushed me into the room. Oh! The first thing you better do is empty out your pockets. You're, you're not talking to me. He's talking to you. Better do it. What are you raving about? You'll find some things in your pockets that don't belong to you. Why, they I belong to Wheelock's department store. Why, I... Oh, good Lord. Put the watch in the desk, Woodard. 
I, I don't know how it got there. What else is there? Well, oh, this gold cigarette lighter. On the desk. Why, I never saw these things before. See here. Don't deny your Ruth's accomplice. Accomplice? Why, I... I... <laughs> oh, Ruth. He's a shoplifter. Shut up. <laughs> Just remarking, Murray. Remark when you're asked to remark. Well, li- listen, th- wait, this is crazy. You're, you're saying that Ruth is a thief and I helped her steal? There's some excuse for Ruth, but there's none for you. <laughs> oh, please, Ruth. Don't, darling. I don't know why I'd do it. I can't help it, Murray. I can't help it. I don't realize I'd do it. All, all these things are stolen. Things on you were. But I knew nothing about it. Ru- Ruth, tell them. Miss Fleming cannot answer for anything she does. You can. Who are you? Miss Fleming is not an ordinary thief. If she were, this would be for the police. As matters stand, the stars permit me to make an adjustment on the merchandise she appropriates. He is in the clear. <laughs> You'll get it, though. Well, this is crazy. I, I didn't realize what she was up to. You'll serve her sentence, too. Shut up! Take her to the next room. Come on. <laughs> Look, look, I'm not a thief. I, I'm not a thief. And I'm not the police. But I am that poor girl's fiancé. Fiancé? I've been doing everything in my power. Everything within the power of love and modern medicine to help Ruth. To cure her of her kleptomania. And when a sniveling, lying crook like you takes advantage of her and breaks down everything I've accomplished... Stop it! Oh, cut it out. She was in trouble. That fellow with the scarf was following her. She, she wanted my help. I hired him to protect Ruth against herself. And against weasels like you. You don't know what you're talking about. I tell you... I'm going to put you where you won't prey on sick and helpless people. Don't touch that telephone. Put it down, I tell you. I'm going to put you where you can't pull your low sneaking trick. Drop it. Drop that phone. Operator, get me the police. Oh, I warned you. I, I warned you. I won't be framed. I won't. No one frames me like that. You hear? No one. Star Playhouse dramatization of Maurice Baudin Jr.'s cosmopolitan short story, The Hunted, starring Robert Cummings and featuring Loreen Tuttle and William Conrad. Fred? I won't answer. Fred, Fred, open up. It's Ruth. It's a trick she brought the police. Fred, you must believe me. You must trust me. Fred? All right. I'm coming. Are you alone? Yes. Well, come in. Oh, Fred, I'm so terribly sorry I got you into all this. I didn't mean for you to get into trouble. I never in the world would have wanted that. Well, you did steal those things. Yes. Well, why? I don't know. I can't help it. I don't ever remember stealing them, but I do. I do. They watch me and they try to prevent me. Murray pays for the things I steal. He's been so good, so kind. And now... (laughs) He was calling the police in on me. I know. I don't blame you for what you did, not entirely. I let him have it. It was my fault, too. I let him have it, all right. Oh, why, why, why did you do it? I don't know, I lost my head. I'd I'd have gone to the police myself, but 
Well, there was something funny about what was going on, some kind of a frame. White Scarf was too happy about sending someone up, but I, I wasn't going to be railroaded. I'm new in this town. I'm green. I can't take chances where I've got nobody to fight for me. I know. I'd rot here in jail. I know. But you didn't have to kill him. Kill him? Kill who? Don't deny it. White Scarf went into the room when he heard you and Murray fight. Murray was on the floor. The dagger. Uh, I didn't. I, I didn't kill him, no. Don't deny it. You stabbed him with that dagger I gave you. The dagger I stole at Wheelock. You... You stole that dagger. I must have stolen it. I stole it and I gave it to you. No, you, you didn't. I must have. You stabbed Murray with it. No, no, I... There, there must be some horrible... I, I couldn't have... I, some mistakes, some, some... Oh, stop. Stop lying. Stop pretending. I'm not blaming you. I gave you the dagger. I stole it and gave it to you. But you should have given it up with the other thing. I've, I've got to get out of this. Right. I had to come here before they find out where you stay. Before they find out where... How did you know where I'm staying? I, I didn't tell you. I'm so ashamed. I, I ask you something. I know. I, I ask you how you knew I was at this hotel. There was a paid hotel bill in your wallet. My wallet? Well, how did... Oh. I must have stolen it from... Perhaps in the store. Oh. Here, take it. Everything's there. You, you didn't tell them. No, no. I wanted you to have some chance. I wanted to do something for you. What? Bring Murray to life? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, wait. Let, let me think. I, I've got to try to think. Whatever I can do. Anything at all. Tell me. I'm so to blame for things. So tell me if I... I, I don't know. How, how long did you know Murray? Two years. We were to be married soon. Even before I was cured. How do I know you didn't kill him? I... How do I know you didn't keep the dagger and kill him yourself? How, how do I know you're not trying to pin something on me? No, no. Why would I kill Murray? Would I murder the man I love? I don't know. Maybe the man you love you hate. But why? I don't know why. Nothing shout. We'll be heard. Well, this, this whole crazy nightmare I have stumbled into, when will it end? Where does it all lead to? If I killed Murray. Would I try to help you? He was doing so much for me and he loved me so much. And... Tonight we were going someplace special. Where? It doesn't matter. I don't know if it matters or not. I, I've got to ask questions. I, I've got to keep moving in my mind or I'll crack wide open. Where were you going with Murray tonight? It just might matter. There was to be a party at Maggie Bolton's. You know Maggie Bolton. I don't know anyone or anything. I'm new around here. Once a year she gets a big party and wears the Bolton necklace. Wasn't Murray afraid you'd steal the necklace too right off of her throat? Stop it! Wait. Wait, that's something. What is? I'm, I'm not sure. Murray's being killed just today, the day of the party. I don't know. Maybe. But you killed him. Oh, you did. You never gave me that dagger. I had no motive. I loved him. You were going to the Bolton party tonight and see the necklace. I had nothing to do with it. Nothing whatever. We're going to that party tonight. You'll be picked up by the police. Not unless you tell them I'm there. I won't. I don't know what I'm trying to find out. I... I just know I've got to keep moving and doing or I'll go crazy. Where's this Bolton place? We arrived too late for the party. Too late to see the famous Bolton diamond necklace on the famous Bolton throat. There was some excitement about the house when we drove up in the hired car. 
I left Ruth in the car and walked up the driveway, curving around into the darkness, and stopped short. Police cars all around the house. I turned and began to walk down the driveway again. Hey, go! I began running. In a panic, I plunged off the drive into the thick tangle of cypress that covers the huge ground. Hey, go! I lost the cop. In the dark, dense jungle of cypress, I even lost myself. And then something stepped out of the darkness. Something in a white scarf with flat, dead eyes. And a toneless smile. And that faintly foreign voice. White scarf. Don't move. I want to talk to you. Talk what? I want to talk to you. Well, there's nothing to talk about. Theft is nothing? Why, I didn't steal. Murder is nothing? I don't, don't know what you're talking about. Murray Lister. Why, I don't know anything about Murray Lister. You also deny that you strangled Maggie Bolton in the solarium on Oracle. No, no, I tell you, I didn't have anything to do with it. Why, I, I didn't even know she'd been killed. You didn't know she'd been killed? <laughs> no. No. You're not going to pin that on me, too. I, I didn't come near her. I, I just arrived. Hey, how did you know it was an hour ago? <laughs> because I strangled her. You? I. Who, who, who are you? I will tell you so that you will have the caution and the self-interest to cooperate with me. I, I don't know how. Cooperate how? What? In what? delivering the Bolton necklace to me. Well, I tell you, I don't know anything about it. Then let me sharpen your understanding of it. I killed Mrs. Bolton when she refused to tell me where the necklace was. I strangled her. Strangled? With this white silk scarf. I, 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 I don't... I'm Apache, you know. French Apache. <laughs> I also stabbed Murray Lister. Of course. You went alone after I knocked him down. Of course. Of course. I also stole all the things that Ruth Fleming is accused of stealing. Now we will put these together and it will become a diamond necklace for me. <laughs> huh? You're crazy. No. You're crazy, killer. You're crazy. You're crazy. No. Mary Lister had me to plant stolen things on Ruth to make her think she was a kleptomaniac. She... she doesn't steal? I do. I stole and planted your wallet on her. I stole the dagger. And planted it on Murray Lister. But why? Murray was preparing with Fleming to take the blame one day for the theft of the Bolton necklace. That simple. I helped prepare her. But today I thought, why work for Murray Lister when I can go into business for myself? You, you stabbed a man and strangled Maggie Bolton. I tell you this so you'll be warned. Now, <laughs> you will reply to my questions or... <coughs> Don't stop! I... <laughs> there you see. The white scarf about your throat. <laughs> Enough. Enough. Be warned. I, I can't help you. I don't know anything. You do? No. You lie. Why do you lie when you know how unwise it is to lie to me? The strangler. Huh? Now, where is the neck? I, I don't know. Do you want to die? Do you want your eyes to stick out of your head? Do you want your tongue to go purple in your mouth? Well, do you? No, listen to me. You've you got to listen to me. Yeah. An end to these lies. No, I, I'm new in this town. I, I just came in last week. I picked up this girl, Ruth Fleming, in the theater lobby. I didn't know anything about her, anything about... Enough. 
Now, li- listen. An empty talk. Wait, wait, don't. Listen. Time not to act. Oh, stop. Stop, don't. Hey, you see. Don't. It strangles. Let it go. The Apache way. The way of the Paris Apache. Vous savez? No, no. Die. Excuse me, mister. What? What's the matter? Wake up. You're dreaming? Newsreel's over. Feature picture's gonna start. Huh? Wake up. You fell asleep in the lobby. You bought a ticket. Don't you want to see the show? I dragged myself back to consciousness. In seconds, the fabric of my awful dream unraveled and vanished. I was drenched in cold sweat but overwhelmed with relief. And across the lobby, sleeping harmlessly was the paunchy man with the white scarf who had helped inspire my dream, or whatever it was. And then the door of the powder room opened, and there was the girl, the Ruth of my dream with a pale dread on her face. I got up quickly and eagerly to make the acquaintance of the real-life Ruth, or whatever her real name was. Take it in the box, lady. Excuse me. Where? But, oh, I, I know you'll think that this is the usual approach by a stranger, but... Didn't all this happen before? What do you mean? Well, it just seems that we met before. Just this way. I don't think so. Well, the feature picture's about to start. Might I join you? Oh, I I couldn't. I mean, well... I'm sure this all happened before. Even, Even the scared look you just gave that paunchy man sleeping there. Well, if you like, we could go in together, yes. Thank you. Yeah, the honest feeling, really. I've had that feeling, too, sometimes. (laughs) Everybody has. We went up the steps, talking and laughing. I held open the door leading into the cool dark of the balcony and stared. Below in the lobby, I saw the paunchy man slowly open his eyes and look up at us. He got up and with surprising agility began following us with rapid, ruthless steps. A man with a paunch, an olive skin, and a dead smile, and a white silk scarf draped loosely about his neck, following us. Star Playhouse, Robert Cummings speaking. Bob, this is Rosalind Russell with a very urgent question. Ros, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I tell you, I was framed. I was... Oh, what urgent question? What happened to you after you picked that girl up in the lobby the second time? Did you meet White Scarf in Cyprus again? How did that come out? Oh, I was choked to death. Next question? <laughs> well, will you listen to me next Sunday when I do The Incredible Anna Lee? It's about a Hollywood motion picture actress, Anna Lee, a lovely and unpredictable ham who inflicts herself on films and on her press agent. How our ham becomes cured and our guy gets contented is the substance of next week's opera. 
Roz, it sounds very inviting, and I'll recommend Russell's remarkable recipe for radio enjoyment to all my friends. Thanks, Bob. And incidentally, thrilling show tonight. Bye, Bob. Thanks, Roz, and thanks for calling. Revoir, Roz. And good night, everybody, and thank you for calling. Call again next Sunday, huh? Night. You have been listening to Four Star Playhouse, tonight starring Robert Cummings in The Hunted, written by Maurice Baudin, Jr., and adapted for radio by Milton Geiger. Lorene Tuttle was featured as Ruth, with William Conrad as White Scarf, Wilms Herbert played Murray, and Larry Dobkin the Usher. Four Star Playhouse is directed by Warren Lewis. Music composed and conducted by Albert Harris. Portions were transcribed. Robert Cummings may currently be seen in Walter Wanger's production, Reign of Terror. Each week at this time, one of our four star players, Rosalind Russell, Fred McMurray, Loretta Young, and Robert Cummings, is heard in a special adaptation of a popular fiction story selected from Cosmopolitan Magazine, written by the world's foremost fiction authors. For the best in entertainment all evening long, keep your dial tuned to your favorite NBC station. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. And that's Four Star Playhouse with The Hunted from August 14, 1949, starring Robert Cummings, also in the cast, Loreen Tuttle, William Conrad, Wilms Herbert, and Lawrence Dobkin, with Edward King announcing, as heard on NBC. Hope you enjoyed Four Star Playhouse. Let's take a break, then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next time, we'll tune in to my favorite detective, Boston Blackie, but it's going to be a very interesting broadcast because Boston Blackie doesn't appear on the show. I'll tell you all about it next time. And then it's part one of the Charlie McCarthy Show from 1947. We'll see you next time.